0: our campuses as they join with us this morning, those at Stevens Point, those of you in uh, Appleton as well, and if you're joining us online, great to have you a part of our service this morning as well. We're going to invite everybody to stand at our campuses here in Green Bay, and we're going to together recite the Apostles' Creed, our statement of faith here at Celebration Church. Would you join with me as we say it together? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, this morning we have a special guest that's going to be coming and sharing with us this morning. As I said, Pastor Mark is in New York at, uh, at the Bronx there, preaching there. But we have a special guest, someone who's been a friend of Celebration Church for a long, long time. So would you give a warm welcome to Nazareth as he comes and shares with us. Today.
1: Technology. Wow, a microphone. <laughs> this is awesome. Good morning. Don't you? Uh, you know, the, we would like to welcome our campuses. Don't you love technology? You know, right? I remember, like, now we're saving our data on the computer in the clouds. <laughs> we used to save our data on floppy disks. Some of you don't know what a floppy disk is. And then it became on a CD. Then you save it on a, on a hard drive. Then on a flash drive. And now they save your data in the cloud. And some people are afraid. Like I don't want my data in the cloud. It will get lost in the cloud. It won't. Because when Jesus rose from the dead a few days later. He went up to heaven. And they saw him go in, into the clouds. <laughs> and Jesus saves. And one day he's coming back in the clouds. So your data is saved in the cloud. But God loves Microsoft, he doesn't like Apple. I know, I'm a Mac guy and I feel bad, but yeah. Cause you know, the Bible said that if you tithe, if you give money to church, God's gonna open the windows of heaven. Not the Macs of heaven, the windows of heaven. And I understand, cause God doesn't like the Mac logo, the Apple logo with the apple with the bite. That's where sin entered the world. Thank you, I did that. <laughs> well, my name is Nazareth. I was born in the city of Nazareth in Israel. It's a family tradition to name me after the city. I feel sorry for my brother Waikiki. <laughs> my other brother Albuquerque. And my sister Buffalo. And now my new cousin Sheboygan. <laughs> Uh, I am not Jewish. I am not a Muslim. I am a Christian from heritage of Christian background. And uh, we found that out. We did the DNA. How many of you did the DNA testing to find out your heritage? You did? Good. It took me six weeks to, you know, I send them the blood. Six weeks later, they send it to me and they they go, your great-great-great-grandparents were amphibians. (laughs) I'm like, that's too far, man. You have to. So I sent it to a Christian one and took about 18 weeks. Christians, took at to the time. And then I got it and I found out later that I'm, I'm part German shepherd, part uh, Labradoodle. <laughs> I think I sent it. Yeah, don't get a cheap one because that's what happens. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a Christian from a Greek Orthodox background. That means we didn't go to church when we were little. That's what it means for us. I, one time my parents took me to church. They weren't religious and, and it missed me up. And then, You know, the priest had a long black beard and you have to kiss his hand on the cross. Till this day, I can't watch Duck Dynasty without going, Father Sai, forgive me my sin. <laughs> but if you don't know that, I am from the Middle East, but ever since September 11th, I feel so Mexican. And it hasn't been hard, easy on us Middle Eastern, man. It's hard. It's hard. The airport security, they're very tense. I got arrested for a (laughs) photobomb. Really? Just want to be in the picture, that's all I want. Yeah, you know, and and watching the news, I watch the news and praying, please, Lord, don't let anything happen wrong by a Middle Eastern. We don't need any more stress. Uh, I'm like, oh, there's a hurricane, please make it Hurricane Bob or Hurricane Leroy. Don't let it be Hurricane Ahmed or Hurricane Abdul. Because it's, it's hard, you know. It's like, like I'll be at the airport, and this probably doesn't happen to you, unless you're Middle Eastern. Like you'll be walking at the airport and you hear him, Osama Abdul-Khamid, you're late for your flight, come to your gate, gate 33, Osama Abdul-Khamid. <laughs> I'm walking like, I don't want to be with Osama Abdul-Khamid. I hope he's late for his flight. <laughs> and then I go and I'm going to gate 33 too. And people are looking at me like I'm Osama Abdul Khamenei. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Osama. I'm Nazareth the Peacemaker Smith. <laughs> my my, my godmother is Mother Teresa. <laughs> my God just did one big bang. That's all He did. One big bang. That's all. I don't want 72 versions. All I need is a new King James version. That's all I want. <laughs> I... You know, I don't know, because, you know, what? Well, this is for us, you know, like, every time ISIS does something wrong, I have to stop doing something. Yeah. Like, I can't fly a plane now. I can't drive a truck. I can't go to any bar in Orlando, which I don't want to go, but you know what I mean. I'm like, why can't they do something I don't want to do, like, blow up a colonoscopy clinic or something. <laughs> oh, I can't go there. No, I'm suspicious. I don't. Thank you. Thank you. They don't do that. Um, But I love this country. I've been here since 1984. This is how much I love this nation, people. I was a George Clooney of the Middle East. (laughs) And I came here, and I was tall. I was handsome. I came here. Everybody's tall and handsome. You guys are a lot taller. I feel like so short, and everybody's good-looking here. I feel ugly. Oh, well, I can't say ugly, because the Bible said, you know, people say, we're created in the image of God, so we can't say ugly. Yeah. But sin entered the world and it hit some people harder than others <laughs> you know so next time you see someone who got hit hard just say hey you know one day we're we'll going go to heaven and we're going to have a new body and a new face but in the meantime you can look like George Clooney If you move to Kazakhstan or Kharazistan, there's some ugly countries out there you can move to and look good for now until Jesus comes back. I don't know, just my advice. I don't care, what are you? But how many, and also I lost weight. I've been on the Fannie Mae diet. I lost my equity, my 401k, and nothing to roll over anymore. And I really can't, people ask me my weight. I can't give you my real weight. I am on the fitness protection program hinders me from sharing that information with you Uh, you know I was here last September and how many of you remember what message I shared it's called stab them I wanted you to go out and stab someone with the word of God to share Jesus with someone and few people from this church send me emails and went to my Facebook and said I did stab someone this week I was at a cafe, I was at a bus and I shared Jesus with people and that's what I love. I'm an evangelist. I love to hear that. So if you ever share Jesus with someone, let me know. Go comediannazars.com, email me, say it, or Facebook, comediannaz and let me know about it. Because that's what encouraged me to go out and do evangelistic works. I do, right now we do something called Laughter for All. It's a stadium event. We invite under-resourced people to come to the event and share, you know, give them music and comedy and at the end of the event, I share Jesus with them. They come to the field, they receive Bibles, they get plugged in into churches, they get a toy and a box of food. Everybody in that stadium can get that. It's available. And it's called Laughter for All. If you want to know more about it, I have brochures of that. I But I love to see people come to Jesus. I love to witness to people. You know, the other day, after I left you guys in September, I was doing a Christmas play in Texas. I was performing comedy, and then he had a, tix, a, a play about the birth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Four hundred fifty actors and actresses in the play—it's a huge one—and I was standing in the backstage when I was done, and next to me was Jesus, the actor. He was six foot four, long brown hair, blue eyes. He looked Norwegian. <laughs> What's the true Jesus look like? And not the real Jesus, but that's what we think Jesus should look like. He he was looking great. And I was standing next to him. I was like, ah, I started singing, I can only imagine (laughs) what it would be like. And I'm looking at him like, oh, hello, Jesus. And he goes, hello. I go, can I touch the hem of your garment? And he goes, you're a weirdo, what do you want? (laughs) I'm like, that's not how Jesus talks. I go, so, uh, you attend this church, Jesus? He goes, no, I'm a hired model actor. They hired me to do this. I'm like, what? They hired a model to do Jesus? Don't they have good-looking people in the congregation? He goes, hey, they hired me. I go, so, where do you go to church, Jesus? He goes, oh, I'm not a Christian. I don't go to church. I'm serious. That's when the evangelists in me started kicking in. I started witnessing to Jesus. Like he needs you. Who's your daddy? And he got nervous too. He's like, I I gotta go get resurrected. You can't read the book. Read the book. And I don't know what happened. I didn't think much about it till a week later. I was at a missions conference and sitting with some missionaries. And this missionary was so proud of himself. Like, I got to witness to the prince of Denmark. I'm like, I witnessed to Jesus. But um, this last week was hard for us, me and my wife. Because, you know, we have a son in Newport Beach. He just turned 18. And we had to drop him at college. Anybody done that? Isn't that the hardest thing in the world? Oh, oh, it's hard. Nobody warned me. His mom's crying, you know, making sure what he's going to eat. This is what you're going to eat today, tomorrow. And, this is what... and I, was just, I was just, I almost cried. And I, I don't cry, was. We have a drought in California, I don't want to waste my water. <laughs> but I, I, it was hard. It's, it's like returning a leased car that you love. <laughs> and you have to walk home after that. Here you go, you can have them. Okay. It would be easier if they give you a new baby after you return, you go to college, drop your daughter or son, they give you a new baby. Here you go, work on this one. It was hard, but it's okay. You know, so um, I told you, I was teaching on witnessing to Jesus. I was encouraging you to share Jesus. I've always shared Jesus on the plane. And what happened after, I was sitting on the plane reading my Bible. And this man sitting next to me looks at my Bible. And he goes, oh, people still read this? I go, yeah. He goes, really, you believe this? I go, yeah. He goes, come on, man. This is fairy tales. Really believe you're a smart man. You believe that? That's when I'm like, okay, God help me, what do I do? And all of a sudden just I felt that the Lord telling me to be sarcastic with him. <laughs> I go, you mean this is wrong? He goes, Yeah. I go, you mean there's no heaven or hell? He goes, No. I go, Really, what's gonna happen to me when I die? He goes, From dust to dust, man, I don't know. I go, you mean I'm going to die and be dust? He goes, not now. I mean, relax, man. I go, I'm going to die? That's it? It's over for me? What about kids who are born with issues and handicaps and stuff and people who suffer all their life? What's going to happen to them? He goes, bad luck, man. Just live your life. I'm serious. I was like, what? Really? I said, what's your hope? And he grabbed a hundred dollar bill, like a rooster. He was so proud of himself. He goes, good old Ben Franklin. That's my hope. I said, well, give me some hope. I, I took it from him. He goes, no, give it back. I said, no, I'm not. You took my hope, I'm taking yours. <laughs> he goes, you can't do that. I said, why not? He goes, you know, that's stealing. I said, I don't care, I'm gonna be dust. I'm gonna die. He goes, society. I said, I don't care about society. I'm gonna die and be dust, who cares? He goes, You can't do that. I'm going to call the pilot. And what seemed like an hour was just a minute. I said, You know what? Here's your $100 bill. Because one day I'm going to stand before a God where well, I have to give an account for why I stole your money. But you will have to stand before him and give an account why you're denying him. And for the first time, I did not continue the conversation. I let this man go, didn't even talk back to him. And it just, What's your hope? Few, you know, many years ago, um, we just celebrated 20 years of marriage, me and my wife. And I love this woman. Oh, thank you. I love her more today than when I met her. And I, I can't go shopping with her. I'm serious. She will trap me. She can't because she's a beautiful, gorgeous woman. She's 5 foot, 115 pounds. You know, she's, she's skinny, but she thinks she's fat. So we'll go to the mall and she will start to go to the Macy's or notes from the stuff and she will see a dress on the mannequin. And she goes, Oh, that that will that might look good on me. What do you think, honey? I said, Of course it will look great on you. And then she goes and she's happy and I love you. She goes in the dressing room, comes out a completely different person. She's crying now. look at this, look at this fat, look at this, look what happened to me. It's all your fault. Before I married you, I was skinny, look what you did to me. It's your fault. You bought a fridge, it's all your fault. Always taking me out to eat, it's your fault. Look at me, what happened to me, I don't know, let's go home. And we never buy anything when I'm with her and we drive home. And she goes, oh, Taco Bell's still open? Are you hungry, hon? <laughs> I love that woman. And I, you know what, what? What I love her so is I remember when, when we first got married, just newlyweds, I was doing uh, tax accounting for a firm while doing comedy, and then they laid me off. And I, I knew it was the Lord, but they laid me off. And I came home, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't have a job. I, we have 6 months severance, but after that, I'm done. But I can get a job tomorrow. She goes, no, honey, you go and do what God told you to do. You go do comedy. God called you for this, you do, you do it. I said, honey, we're going to starve for years because I don't know. I mean, Christian comedy, there's no love in the offerings and stuff like that. I said, it's going to take a while for me. She goes, I don't care. We'll go through it together. I go, wow, that's awesome. So one time, a few months later, I was talking to a relative who was very wealthy. And I was just sharing, oh, hey, lost my job. I'm a full-time comedy. And he takes out his Rolex gold watch. He goes, Naz, if you ever need help, Sell this one. It will take care of you." I was like, wow, thank you. So I came home. I was like, honey, look what happened. We have this watch. So put we put the watch in a drawer like where no one can get to it. And that was our hope for a while. I was like, every time we go, it's like, we don't have enough for the rent. Can we sell the watch? No, 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 no. No, let's save it for a harder time. And we tried, and we, ne- we haven't used it. Till one day, we were completely, there was no way we we're going to pay the rent. And so we went to a jeweler together, and I went to a, a nice jewelry place. I said, Excuse me, I want to sell this watch. And he looks at it, and looks at it, and looks, and does this. He said, Excuse me, I want to call a friend who's also a jeweler. His friend came in and looked at it, and, and they go, He goes, I'll give you $17 for this one. Like, what? He goes, yeah, that's a fake watch. Are you sure? And the other guy said, I'm sure, let me show you. A Rolex will never have that. Oh, thank you. What's your hope in? What are you putting your hope in? Not the hope for a rent, but hope for eternity. Like when you die, what are you hoping in right now? What do you think, you know, you go, oh, I, I, I hope this would happen. I hope God will be just a nice guy and say, I'll let you in. I, I know, I hope God doesn't judge me for, or doesn't know I did all this. I hope there's a force out there that I hope I might reincarnate into some. What is your hope is in? You know what my hope is? My hope is in this Bible, in this faith. That God loves me. How many of you believe this Bible is true? Raise your arm and keep it up. If you believe this Bible is true, keep it up. Look around you if you didn't have your arm up. Look around you. These are people that believe in this. I don't know them. I've never met some of them. They believe in this book. Now, thank you. Now, how many of you who raised your arm, either a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, a computer an enge- computer program, an engineer, a scientist, whatever it is, would you raise your arm and keep it up? See? See all those people? These are not gullible people. These are not people who just believe in a fairy tale. They truly believe. They are educated They believe this Bible is true. There is presidents, astronauts, and people who change uh, our country believe in this book. This is a true Bible, people. This is real. This will change your life. This will give you a true hope. So many times it's so easy for us to accept that there's people out there that don't like us. To accept that people might not like us. They gossip about us. They they might have negative opinions about us. It's so easy to believe that in this negative world. But it's hard for you to believe that there's someone who loves you. That for God so loved you, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not have eternal damnation, but have everlasting life. You know, it's hard for you to believe there's a God out there that says this to you in Jeremiah 29:11. He said, "For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. There's a God out there that want to give you a future. And a hope. A true hope. That's who we have. You know what else this Bible claims? This Bible claims that you are created. You're not an accident. You know? You are created by a God who's in heaven. Who loves you. You're not an accident. You didn't come from a You know, phibian. You didn't come from a, a cell. You were created by God. He purposely created you you. When, when John, my son John Newport, was little, we, he went to school, and at school, I think second grade, they were teaching about evolution. And I went to the teacher, I said, excuse me, why don't you also teach him about intelligent design? And she goes, listen, Mr. Smith, that's my name for immigration reason." <laughs> He goes, listen, Mr. Smith. my great-great-great-grandpa was like a worm. And through millions and millions of years, he had a hand stick out and a leg stick out. And here we are today. I told him, my great-great-grandpa was Adam. And he should have stepped on your grandpa a long time ago. (laughs) You're, You're not an accident. You're not an accident. You were created. God purposely created You. He knows about you. Number two, you are patterned by God. You are made in the image of God. He patterning you after his own image. You have a value in his eyes. You're created in God's image. Don't ever think of yourself less than that. Don't ever think, oh, it just, it just happened to me here. Why, why am I around? No. God created you. He patterned you. And you are destined, number three. You are immortal. That means when you die, you're not done. You're not dust to dust. You're either going to go to heaven or you're either going to go to hell. Yes, hell is a real place. And God never planned for you to go there. He does not desire for you to be there. But if you choose to reject him, if you choose to continually harden your heart and say no to him, guess where you're going to end up? In hell. It's not made for you. It's made for Satan and his demons. That's what the Bible tells us. But it's a real place. And you have to secure your hope in eternity now. You have to make the decision that you want to follow Christ. That you want to live for him. Because there's no other way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. That's what he said. There's no other way except Jesus Christ. You know, I don't say that. The Bible said that. And the Bible has been around to prove that to you. You are distant. You are you are created, pattern distant, and number four, you are marred, tarnished by sin. For example, take a beautiful statue and made out of marble and it's beautiful. And you throw mud at it, and you keep throwing mud and mud and mud and more mud. Guess what? It's still a beautiful marble statue. But it's it's marred with with sin. See when sin entered the world, death came through sin. Sin and through that came Uh, terrorism and fear and death and all that but God created you perfect I was uh, for our 20th anniversary we saved forever and we we went to Italy we were in Italy and uh, how many of you have been to Italy? Italy is full of like naked statues that's all it is (laughs) just like a big museum with naked statues, they didn't tell me that in the brochure I'm walking out there with two daughters. I'm covering the eyes. Don't look! Don't look! Don't look! All the fountains, naked statues. Don't look! Like they should put ratings on them, like PG, R. I don't. I'm like. And then my girls are like, "What did this hero do? It says that he defeated kingdoms, and he... I don't care what he did. He's naked. Don't look at him. Really, if this guy knew that, after defeating all these." kingdoms and emperors, he gonna stand naked for eternity, forever, he wouldn't do it. He would have stayed home. <laughs> that's why you don't see in, like, female, well, only Venus, because she has no arms. You couldn't put her clothes on. <laughs> that's why, it's just that's it. It's just like, come on, people, cover him. I and mean, would you rather, would you, I mean, think about it this way. Let's make it hit home, you know. You don't want to see Lincoln naked. You go to D.C. and you look at Lincoln. Uh, oh, the Civil War. I don't care. Put some clothes on. <laughs> but it's a statue. And it doesn't matter. It's a beautiful statue. And small, you can put as much mud as you want on it. Because God knew that sin is going to tarnish us. That's why he knew. And before we even created, God planned that one day, Jesus God himself will become a man. Live a perfect life on this earth. And in due time, he will go to the cross obediently. And on that cross, he's going to take the, the sin, the, 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 the judgment that you and I deserve for breaking the commandments of the Holy God. From coveting, lusting, cheating, whatever it is. We broke God's commandment. God, Jesus died on the cross for that. And says that the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And just as you can see a statue of marble with all the mud on it and then you take that water and that blood will wash it all off and it becomes perfect clean. And God looks at you and said, I see you perfectly clean and righteous because you put your trust on what Jesus did on on the cross for you. And if you put today in Wisconsin, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he will cleanse you from all that and you can become righteous in God's eyes and you will be secure to go to heaven when you die today tomorrow or in 50 years god will take you to heaven because you put your faith and trust in jesus christ that's what god did that's what's called good hope that's the hope we have that's the hope we have number five you are invited so if you surrender your life to christ if you confess your sins, if you say, you know what, God, I, I, did, I did wrong, I broke your laws, I broke this, but today I want to come to you. Would you please accept me? Would you please, and you are invited to spend eternity with him. That's what happened. There's also other claims in this book. Jesus said in Matthew 11:28, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Hebrews 37 says, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. These are claims from the Bible. If you're a Christian, you've been Christian for 50, 60 years or whatever. This Bible says, fear not. This Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications. With thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind unto the day of Jesus Christ. God wants you to know, in this Bible, He's giving you a claim. Do not be fearful. Do not be anxious. Do not, do not worry. So, if you're worried, if you're anxious, if you're scared... Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you this, and let's be honest. If you were addicted to anything, it could be porn, drugs, gambling, alcohol, and God saved you from that. Jesus Christ intervened in your life, and you no longer are in bondage. You're free from that. Would you stand up and remain standing, please? Even at the campuses, do that, please. Look around you. If you're sitting here and you're still, no one in the world knows, but you do. You're in bondage to something. Jesus Christ can free you today. He can free you. It might take a process. It might be instantaneous. But Jesus can free you. And these people are an example and a witness to that. Thank you. If your marriage was on the rocks, if your relationship were going nowhere, it's it's not doing good, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and Jesus restored your marriage, Jesus restored your relationship with your parents, your kids, your loved ones, if that happened to you, would you stand up and remain standing right now? If your marriage is on the rocks, if your relationship is not doing good, bring Jesus, invite Jesus into it. He can do that for you. He can restore your relationship. And these are examples. Talk to them. Ask them. Say, hey, we're having a hard time. What happened to you? How did you guys manage? That's how you do it. Thank you guys so much. (laughs) Last one. If If you were sick, you had cancer or whatever it is, and God either healed you, or he give you peace to go through the process of healing and chemo and recovery and all that, would you stand up? Wow. If you're sitting there afraid of, I don't want to do a blood test, I'm afraid I'm gonna do this, what if this happens? Stop your what if, look at these people and say, even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, he's going to be with you and he's going he's gonna to be with me. He's going to give me peace. So that's what you do. You put, thank you so much. Put your faith and trust in this book. If, let me reason with you for a second. Let's say you have a migraine headache. And there's a thousand people, like you said here, on campus or around, and I do this around the country and the world, and there's people who stand and say, you know what, if, if they say, this worked for me, this took away my migra- migraine headache, this took away, wouldn't you even consider trying it, giving it a chance? Or would you listen to someone who goes, oh no, nothing works for migraine, come on, don't believe in that, well have you read it, have you tried it, no I didn't, really? You're a reasonable person. If a thousand people around you said, yes, we believe in this book. If a thousand people told you, yes, this restored our relationship. This helped us while we were sick. This helped, helped us, you know, with, uh, with whatever we're going through, with addictions, whatever it is that the world's throwing at us. This book helped us. Wouldn't you even try it? Well, in a few minutes, the pastor of your campus will come up and ask you to pray. Would you please consider praying with him? And think of the alternative if you continually deny him. Would you do that? And if you do that, please let me know. Uh, I would love to hear that you are giving Christ a chance. Thank you so much for allowing me to be with you today. I'm Nazif. God bless you.